1: And this is A Taste of the Past on Heritage Radio Network. And today we're sponsored by Dixon's Farmstand Meats. Great traceable meats from sustainable farms in Chelsea Market in New York City. Well, here in the Northeast, we have been enjoying some, had been enjoying some, really balmy sunny days and really cold nights. And I am fortunate enough to have a place to go to up in the country, um, our country home which is filled with maple sugar trees. And these are sugar maples, actually. And this is sugar, this is maple sugaring time. So if you take a drive up through the northeastern United States, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, or even actually Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana, but upstate New York, you can see buckets hanging from trees all throughout the rural areas. And this happens usually always right around the 1st of March. You know, we can always rely upon the uh, the warmer days, and what happens is the, you tap into that tree and the sap starts to flow. Well, I spent a very sticky weekend. <laughs> we collected um, not as much sap as we'd hoped. We had to come back to New York. Work does call, New York City. But we probably had gotten you know, about 10 gallons of sap and just boiled away and boiled away. Now, the ratio of sap to maple syrup is 40 to 1. So it's 40 gallons of sap to 1 gallon of syrup. So you can imagine how much boiling that takes. If you have any wallpaper inside your house, it will definitely fall off the walls, which is why um, the people up there who have sugar maples developed sugar shacks and did their boiling outside. Um, outside, it's you, just, you build a fire and... and take the smoke away from the sap so it won't flavor the sap with any smoke. And eventually they developed it into small houses, shacks, so they could stay warm while they watched the sugar mapling happening. And it grew into a huge industry, and throughout, particularly in Vermont and New Hampshire, and especially in Canada. Canada, to this day, still produces about 75% of the maple syrup that... um, is known, um, and which is uh, you can. It's now turned into an agritourism business as well. You can take you can book vacations where you can stay for an overnight in one of the sugar shacks, which is developed. They've developed them into inns nearby the sugar shacks and watch the maple sugaring process, and have a meal cooked with some of the wonderful sap and syrup in different stages, and uh, and then even eat some. Maple candy for dessert, but to talk about the history of maple syrup um, is interesting. It is something that really is American, North American. No, in no other place do the the sugar maples exist, and it was the first sugar actually in Eastern North America. Obviously, Native Americans were um, the first to be. Discovering the the sweetness of the sap, and so that maple sugaring was was already established in some form by the time the first settlers came to North America, and uh, it it has been said that um, Indians accidentally uh, came upon the sap by slashing the tree or having a broken branch and then collecting it. And uh, cooking, using it as water to cook some meat in, and then found out how sticky and syrupy it got at the bottom, and went back to the tree, and the rest is history. Most likely, however, they discovered the sweetness of the maple tree by by maybe tasting some of the sap. Now, who, as a little kid, never you know went up to some tree or other and touched the the sap that came out of a wound from a tree and said, "Ooh, this is really sticky," and and if you happen to taste that sticky sap that ran from a sugar maple, you'd say, Mmm, it's really sticky, and it's really good. The uh, In the winter, sapsicles actually form from the sugar maples, and these are icicles that are formed by the frozen sap that leaks out, again, from a, a broken branch or a wound in the tree. And as the ice forms, some of the water evaporates, and that will leave a nice little sweet icicle hanging from a tree. It's a real treat, and I'm sure that this was another way that the Native Americans discovered the sweetness. Rumor has it that they, of course, they didn't have buckets, you know, that we, as we know them, the wooden sap buckets or the metal sap buckets. So they most likely, and, and some of the French settlers did write this down in, in their logs um, from the 1500s, and most likely because what they saw were hollowed out trees at the bottom of a sugar maple, and a slash, um, often a V-shaped slash would be made in the trunk of the tree, and then a hollowed out log would be put underneath that slash, and to collect all the sap. Well, they didn't have, they didn't, um, couldn't put this log on the fire to boil it down because obviously it would burn. So what they did was took. Really hot rocks from the fire, and continue to put hot rocks into the sap in the hollowed out log and this would eventually boil down the sap now if anyone if you 've ever seen um, or tasted sap coming from a maple tree it's it 's water i mean it 's really thin liquidy watery um, although it 's a fresh liquid from you know, like a like cutting up on a coconut um, with the water inside it 's a fresh mm. Juice of of a living organism, so um, it will spoil. You can't let this water get warm, um, just like milk, it will spoil. But it is very watery. I mean, it's and it has the faintest sweetness. You have to really be pretty discerning to taste the sweetness. And um, it, as you boil it down, as I said, forty to one, you have to. It has to lose about ninety percent of its of its water. Um, has to evaporate before you actually get this syrup that we know of as maple syrup. and the to take it a step further since syrup was it was impossible for the uh, the Native Americans and the early settlers to store syrup anywhere that's a more difficult thing to carry around with you or to store. So they would continue the boiling process until um, it crystallized and then they had sugar, the maple sugar and this of course they could. Put in a bag and carry around with them, and they could use it to sweeten a lot of other things. So, as I said, this was the first sugar known in eastern North America, um, and it was very much like a, like a brown sugar that we know, you know, that we use or um, a cake sugar, and it's flavor. You know, the flavor is so nice. I'm sure you've seen the little maple sugar candies that are sold and in different shapes. Uh, the the sugar was a great boon to early settlers, because uh, England, of course, was charging uh, quite a lot of tax on the uh, the white sugar that would be brought in and and um, from the West Indies, most likely. and the the good thing about the maple sugar was that it no slave labor was used to produce the sugar. It was all produced by by the local people. So it was a real artisanal. Um, type of sweetness. About night about fifteen forty is the first written observation that we have of North American maple trees being um, tapped and and the sap being used for sugar, and that was from a French explorer, probably Jacques Cartier. And then, by by the seventeen late seventeen hundreds or. Um, the promotion of maple sugar as an alternative to West Indian cane sugar was really growing. In fact, it became um, a great, a big business for the northeast, the northeastern states, and to the point where the rest of the country, by the 1800s, of course, um, really caught on to this. The maple syrup before because they started to produce and sell the syrup. And um, the maple, maple syrup production started to become big business. So they developed augers for drilling holes in trees, um, a more refined method of tapping the trees so that they didn't kill the trees. When it was happening, a lot of the trees would fail to thrive or die because they were so brutally slashed to, um, to tap the syrup um after the the metal saps and buckets were and then finally you know some sap buckets were devised to collect the sap um then also evaporation pans were developed to boil it down and if you've ever tried to reduce a sauce you know that any kind of pan with a larger surface area is going to reduce a lot quicker than if you put it in a deep kettle so this was something it was all trial and error that they um that they had to go through, and then, then the call and the demand for maple syrup became uh, just tremendous. Grew and, uh, tremendously, and in fact, I think it, I, in the eight, late 1800s there were some records that Ohio alone consumed about 90 percent, or, or not 90, but they they consumed about 60 percent more maple syrup. Than was actually produced, as records would show, um, and then because of what had happened there, people were adulterating the maple syrup and adding cane syrup, simple syrup, to the maple and extending it, and selling it as maple syrup. If anyone remembers the log cabin brands from the early days, they were they had a percentage, maybe ten percent or maybe forty percent of maple syrup, and the rest was all simple cane syrup. Um, Finally, by the 1900s, around 1905, um, the U.S. Pure Food and Drug Act made adulteration of maple syrup with glucose illegal, and other uh, laws went into effect so that you couldn't really call something maple syrup unless it was 100% maple syrup. And Vermont, Vermont really was the one state that uh, took Vermont's, took maple syruping in, um, in hand and, and made this a state, a real big state production and a, and a state um, um, activity. Although Massachusetts, it, surprisingly enough, Massachusetts has a huge maple syruping mean, to this day, maple syruping um, processing, and they have a lot of sugar shacks and agritourist places where people can stay as well. And they have a museum, a maple sugar, a maple syrup museum. In Massachusetts, and um, as does Vermont, and I believe New Hampshire, and you can go and you can tour the the museums. I think the I'm not sure where the Massachusetts museum is. the The Vermont museum is in Pittsford, Vermont, and they are open seasonally, and you can uh, learn all about the maple syruping. And um, and I will tell you that it is a labor intensive process, having Boiled down 10 gallons just over the weekend took probably a better part of the day. First of all, when you tap the tree, it it doesn't flow out like opening a tap to the water. Um, one of the old timers said, well, you tap a tree on a good day, you get about two drops per heartbeat, and that'll take about eight hours to fill a 16-quart pail. Well, if you figure two drops per heartbeat, okay, when well, that's about two drops a minute um that's slow and it and taking that much um sap to boil down you could figure this is a this is a time a a time-honored tradition and labor intensive Uh, i'm going to give you a couple of recipes that you can use to to use um maple syrup in because maple syrup time it's time to do some really good cooking with it i i just Think of maple syrup and start to think of wonderful recipes to use. So after this break, we're going to come back and talk more about maple syrup.
0: First, you get the buckets ready, clean the pans and gather firewood late in the winter. It's maple syrup time. You need warm and sunny days, but still a cold and freezing nighttime For just a few weeks, maple syrup time We boil and boil and boil and boil it all day long Till 97% of water evaporates just like this song And when what is left is syrupy, don't leave it too long Keep up the fire Maple syrup time. Shh, 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 shh. Make the maracas.
1: Hi. Hi, we're back with Taste of the Past talking about maple syrup time and that was Pete Seeger talking about maple syrup time. Uh Anyone who's who, if you have if you have the opportunity to get out in, in the country up in the Northeast and, and visit the uh, any maple sugaring areas, first of all you go up and you'll see the plastic hoses, which it's like a, like telephone wires going up and down the mountains and across the streets and round and round. We're talking about the big farms that that do really big production, um, and these are plastic. They put the spouts. Into the they tap the spouts into the tree and then attach plastic tubing and run it into one central vat. In fact, today they even use pumps to help speed up the the sap dripping. I'm not so sure I'm down with that one, but um, certainly the plastic tubing. I even use the plastic tubing, just one usually one per tree to lead into the bucket. Um, but if you go up into these big sugar bushes and that's what a stand of of sugar maples is called a sugar bush and if you drive up into the, the some of the farm areas up in um, no as I said in northern Vermont and and New Hampshire and Maine it is just a crisscrossing of spaghetti wire of wires of, of tubing and all running into uh, various central vats that then are put into their um, their evaporators and the evaporators are we're talking, you know, like distilling um, um, liquor. These are still almost like stills. This is a this is big production, and uh, it's just fascinating. So, if you have an opportunity to go to maybe a smaller place and you can taste the watery sap and you can watch the boiling down process, a hands-on kind of boiling down. What the Northerners like to do is make a little something called um, called sugar on snow. Other people call it leather britches, but it's, you take the, as the, as the, um, the maple syrup boils down, uh, and it turns, it's, it turns to, I guess it's just at the, at the syrup stage. You take it and pour it over like a snow cone, a cup of crushed fresh snow, packed, um, fresh snow or ice, and it will immediately harden up. And and turn into this wonderful sticky candy, sugar on snow, and it's just a fun thing to do with kids. Go out and get a fresh, because there is still snow on the ground. You know the the days are warm, but there's still that slushy snow left on the ground, and the nights are cold, and it's just a fun activity to do with with kids. Um, the I said I would give you some um, some recipes, and one thing I think of that. Is unique. I said, "What's a unique?" Everyone, you know, has a lot of different recipes for maple syrup, but maple syrup pie is really something that is is truly unique. And of course, you have to be in an area where there's a lot of maple syrup to make it. Um, It take. I mean, doesn't take that much. It takes oh about a cup of maple syrup, and talk about the grades of syrup you know you, you see so what people ask well what's the grade A and what's light amber what's dark amber? It all depends on when the tree was tapped. The first batch of syrup that comes out is is going to be the highest concentration of sugar. And uh, for instance the the syrup that I just boiled down this last weekend, the, it, the sap was sweeter than than it normally tastes and it boiled down very the, it turned to syrup. Rather um, quickly at a very light color, uh, pale, not even gold. I mean, like a yellowish, um, very light golden, and that's because the concentration of sugar was high, so it it did uh, form the syrup. Later, um, the sap runs for, depending on the weather, but probably a couple of weeks. And at the end, the sap is less concentrated in sugar, so it boils down. Boils down. You got to boil a little further down. And at that time, of course, then it's turning a darker color. And that's the amber color everyone talks about. Um, But then, by then, it gets... I happen to like the later season one where it boils down even further and turns a darker color because it has a more concentrated flavor of maple. And the syrup that I made is lovely. It's very delicate. It's extremely nuanced in the maple flavors. Um, As I say, an elegant syrup to serve on a dessert, perhaps... And the later, darker syrup that you get has a really nice, rich maple flavor. So you could use just like a teaspoon of that to flavor um, uh, a drink, and, and you would really taste the maple out of it. This is the maple syrup also that's best for using when you bake so that you get that maple flavor and it really comes out. So you would take a standard pie crust, and you would melt five tablespoons of butter, and, no, I'm sorry, that's, you would not, you would <laughs> backtrack, um, you'd mix up two eggs with about a tablespoon of flour, or something to bind it and help thicken it, um, a half a cup of heavy cream, and a cup of maple syrup, and then if you get this, you get this all stirred up, and then put it into your pie shell, and, oh, bake it, and so you'd bake it, um, for about twenty-five to thirty minutes, it, it's going to seem very loose. It, it'll it'll you know jiggle kind of like a custard would, but it will firm up as it cools, and and then you serve this with some creme fraiche or some lightly um, whipped cream, and it is a special winter treat. It really is. So that's our maple sugar story, and I just I really encourage people to. Take a visit if you're in the Northeast, and take a visit up north. On a, it's got to be quick. You got to do it in uh, the right in the beginning of, of March uh, for the first, let's say, the first three weeks of March. That's your window of opportunity to to catch some maple syruping happening in these areas. <clears throat> and I happened upon a recipe that I um, was looking at, thinking about. St. Patrick's Day, because here we are, maple sugaring time also happens around uh, St. Patrick's Day time. And, and I was saying, well, they don't have maple syrup in Ireland, but they um, certainly made a lot of yummy things that maple syrup goes wonderful on, such as scones and uh, oat bread and oat cakes. Um, and I happened upon a um, a recipe by Molly Weisenberg who has is a blogger and, and, and writes for Bon Appetit. Uh, she has a wonderful blog called Orangeette, and um, her recipe was for British flapjacks, which is really not flapjacks at all. It's more like a, an oatmeal cookie, and I thought, oh, what a wonderful thing to adapt to maple syrup if you happen to have a lot of maple syrup hanging around. And really, it's this is the one where you melt the butter. <laughs> this is you just you um, take about a half a cup of butter and. About three quarters of a cup, or um, of maple syrup, if it's very thick syrup, thick thick and dark, all the better, and all mapley. And heat that up in a a very low heat, and just sort of melt the butter, and and the syrup will thin out a little bit. But you don't want to cook the syrup because you don't want it to become any thicker. Uh, You don't want it to turn to to hard candy. And you stir that around, and then take it off the heat, and stir in about two cups of quick cooking oats and when that's all mixed together just dump it into a like an eight inch um, cake pan and bake that for about mm, about 20 minutes um, about 350 degrees and just and you don't want it to turn you want it to be soft and you don't want the edges to turn too dark and that is just a wonderful kind of a combination between cookie and a scone and a cake and it's got that maple flavor a nice treat for an American Irish celebration and we are coming upon St. Patrick's Day and uh, and soda bread, Irish soda bread is the first thing I think of when I think of um, Irish food and I happened to come across um, an announcement of a couple of new Irish cooking books that I, I thought would be interesting to bring to your attention Last The last show we did, we did on the history of cooking shows on television. And Darina Allen, who was a very well-known Irish cookbook author and Irish cook, um, has a show on Irish television, but she also had a show for a while and was a frequent guest on American uh, television, American cooking shows. Darina Allen, um, many people who, if they've heard of her before or have any Irish cooking books um, know that she has a very well-known book called Irish Traditional Cooking Over 300 Recipes from Irel- Ireland's Heritage um, She has just recently published a new book called Dorena Allen's Forgotten Skills of Cooking The Time-Honored Ways Are the Best and this includes over 700 recipes that show you some forgotten the use of forgotten skills and and then also talks about things like foraging and making butter and keeping chickens and growing vegetables, which is now becoming such a part of our American foodways. We're trying to get back to the origins of sustainable farming and and, and responsible eating. Um, and she has a dairy chapter in the book that includes recipes for making your own buttermilk and ice cream and clotted cream. It's, it's a very interesting book, and I think and um, she's often been called the Julia Child of Ireland. So I think in in honor of St. Patrick's Day, it's interesting to take a look at some of these books that talk about the, um, the heritage of their cooking, of Ireland's cooking. Her daughter-in-law, in fact, uh, Rachel Allen, has just published a book as well called Favorite Food at Home, delicious comfort food from Ireland's most famous chef. And the two of them run well, Darina Allen established the Ballymo Cookery School in Ireland. So, if you are interested in taking a trip and and learning about Irish cooking, the Ballymo um, Cooking School Cookery School is the place to go. Both Darina Allen and her daughter-in-law Rachel Allen um, teach at this school, and I just thought it was a nice little thing to pass along as we come upon st patrick's day so we have our american heritage at this time of year which is maple syrup and then the approaching st patrick's day and i wish you all a a wonderful maple syrup and st patrick's day time i want to thank our sponsor dixon's farm stand meats Ooh, take some of their delicious pork and boil it in maple sap Mm. Watch that the bottom doesn't burn, but you will have a nice, sweet, crusty finish to a slow-roasted pork shoulder. That would be delicious. So, Dixon's Farmstand Meats in Chelsea Market in New York City. I want to thank them for being our sponsor. And I don't want to thank Jack Inslee, our producer, and Nat Wiener, our engineer. Again, this has been Linda Palaccio for A Taste of the Past on Heritage Radio Network.